0: Stay tuned, in my blog post titled, Two Processes You Can Implement Today to Protect Sensitive Vendor Data from Non-Vendor Maintenance Employees that was published on Thursday, January 17th, 2019, I described how secure print and desk audits can help protect the vendor master file from fraud by keeping sensitive vendor data secure. Please read the blog post if you haven't, and I will add a link in the show notes. Today's podcast will include two extra ways to protect your vendor sensitive data that involve the IT or systems team. You'll want to listen to the end where I describe my experience with non-vendor maintenance employees collecting vendor supporting documentation to submit to vendor maintenance. What do you think those employees are doing with those documents before and after they are submitted to vendor maintenance? Hint, they are not safely disposing of that data. Welcome to episode 14. Two ways to partner with the systems or IT team to protect sensitive vendor data from non-vendor maintenance employees. Now before I get started I do have some news. In addition to Google Play and iTunes the Putting the AP in Happy podcast is now available on Stitcher, Spotify, and TuneIn. With those five podcast platforms and my website and YouTube subscribing and listening to the Putting the AP in Happy podcast is easier than ever. So this podcast episode is really an extension of the blog post that I mentioned earlier. And in that blog post, I first defined what is considered sensitive vendor data, being the tax ID, the vendor banking details, and also the vendor birth date. I then described secure print and desk audits as two processes that can be implemented by vendor maintenance fairly quickly and without IT or the systems team involvement. Now I would like to talk about partnering with the systems or IT team to implement two additional ways to protect sensitive vendor data from non-vendor maintenance employees. So the first way is to mask vendor sensitive data. Now we know that employees outside of the vendor maintenance team need to search for vendors in the accounting system or ERP. The procurement team will need to find the correct vendor ID to create a purchase order. Employees may need to search for vendors to submit a purchase requisition or even other AP team members such as the help desk will need to search for the correct vendor when responding to an inquiry. Now for each of these scenarios, what can return back in the search is a link to the vendor record and that vendor record contains sensitive data. That sensitive data can be critical to confirm the correct vendor is being used or in systems like PeopleSoft, they may need to determine which location to use based on the banking details that are entered on that location. Masking all except the last four or five digits of the tax ID, the routing number, and the bank account number will allow confirmation for those users. Now, birth dates should be masked in full since this information should only be used for tax purposes by the vendor maintenance or tax team. Now masking those fields is most likely a systems or IT team since it may be a part of the system configuration. Now the second way is to restrict user access or least privilege access. And this means minimal user profile privileges, users need to have the least authority necessary to perform their job duties because if the user does not have access to vendor sensitive data, then they cannot intentionally or unintentionally give out that information. This also means limiting those users that have administrative rights. And for those users that do have admin rights, they should not use them to conduct everyday business, especially for executives. In Kit Boyle's book published this month, entitled Fire Doesn't Innovate, The Executive's Practical Guide to Thriving in the Face of Evolving Cyber Risks. He noted that the problem with this common practice of using admin accounts is that malicious co-writers and phishing attackers, they know that the executives are using their computers through the admin accounts, which makes them a more likely victim of cyber attacks. By the way, that book is a really good read with practical process advice to treat cyber threats as an additional business risk. I will link to it in the show notes. So how do you restrict user access? What are the steps to make sure that um, you really are following least privilege access with all of your users? How do you do that? So that is done with a user access review, which is more of a multi-step process between um, the group and then also the systems or IT team. Now I've defined it as three steps here but it could be more steps depending on your company structure. The first step is depending on your company structure either the AP team or the systems or IT teams needs to identify the current roles of everyone that has access to the Vendor Master File. Now, in this step, one of the things that you will find is that there is at least one person that still has access that has either left the company, left their department, or is no longer on that special project that required temporary access to the Vendor Master File. And those are quick and easy wins. The second step is once you know who has access, you can now compare their access to their job duties, taking into consideration segregation of duties. If someone has access to post invoices, then they should not have access to add vendors or generate payments. That's unless compensating controls are in place. And we know um, small to medium sized businesses may not have enough staff for proper segregation of duties. The next question you want to ask is looking at the list of all of the employees that have access to the vendor master file is whether those finance employees or other accounts payable team members really need to have that access. As I talked about with the mass vendor data, team members that do not edit or update the vendor master file may not need full access. So in this step take it further to question if those finance or other accounts payable team members that are not vendor maintenance team members really need to have access to the vendor master file. So once you've identified those employees that should not have access to the vendor master file and can have that access removed and replaced with access that allows them to see the mask vendor, uh, sensitive vendor data. I would take the opportunity to reach out to those users to make sure that there is not something that you are not aware of before you just take that um, access away. Now, I know there is uh, strategies out there that say take it away and it, only if they miss it do you talk to them about re, uh, adding that back. And that is certainly a choice here. And I guess it also could depend on the reason why they had access in the first place. My only point here is to indicate that you may not know the downstream or upstream effects of removing that access, and it may be worthwhile to reach out to those users, especially if you've got quite a few users from Run Group, to make sure that you understand exactly why or how they're using that access. And who knows, you may be able to identify reports that can be created or reports that already exist. that can satisfy the reason that they have the current access to the Vendor Master File. So once that step is done, you now have a list of users whose access to the Vendor Master File can be removed. And that list is what's submitted to the systems or IT team to change those users access. Now, this type of review, I suggest that is done on a recurring basis, such as monthly or quarterly also recommended is to identify a standard role based on team member job duties. So take this time to set a standard user access profile based on positions and then work with the IT team so that as you bring new people on they are assigned to the appropriate role. So those are the two ways to partner with the systems team or IT to protect sensitive vendor data from non-vendor maintenance employees. And again, those two ways are to mask sensitive vendor data, and then to restrict user access. So these two ways and also the two ways that I talked about in a blog post are all implemented within the vendor maintenance team or within AP. And it's great to train AP and the vendor maintenance team, but what about those environments where the vendor maintenance team receives vendor information from company employees for vendor setup and maintenance? It's the non-vendor maintenance employees that have the relationship with the vendor that they're purchasing goods from, or they're getting services from. And so they are the ones that are collecting the W-9s, which can include social security numbers. They are the ones that are collecting banking information, not to mention how are they receiving that documentation via email? Is it coming from, you know, the domain at crook.com? Are they using secure email that's encrypted? Are they printing or receiving faxes on the printer and not using secure Secure print? Are they disposing of the printed documents in a locked shred bin? Are they deleting those emails or saving them on their desktop or in their email because the vendor maintenance team requires a new W9 for specific changes and they don't wanna have to go back to the vendor to ask for another one, so they save it. And that really defeats the purpose of revalidation because if the vendor maintenance team asks for a new W9, it's really to verify that they capture any changes since the first time we received the W9. So one, we know we have an issue with company employees retaining or storing the vendor supporting documentation that they submit to vendor maintenance. But that's not all. So I've talked before about how I worked in a fortune 15 company and ran a 17 person vendor maintenance team that processed 2000 requests per month for 140,000 vendors across seven accounting systems ERPs. And in that environment, we did have uh, company employees or groups that were working with these vendors and submitting that supporting documentation to vendor maintenance to process requests. Now, fortunately, with that many vendors and that many accounting systems and ERPs, we were approved to implement a vendor self-registration portal. And early on in the project, we went to our groups that submitted a large number of vendor requests, vendor supporting documents and all. And the purpose of that was to document their processes and then start the discussions on how their processes may change with the new portal. Now, one of the things that I did not realize is that some of those groups had their own systems, not only to collect and store those documents, but to collect and store the data for their own department activity. Some had third-party solutions, while others had in-house systems, and yet others had access databases, or they just retain emails on their desktop or save them on their hard drives. When presenting on Vendor Portal projects at a conference recently, I was asked, what was the biggest surprise during that Vendor Portal project? Now, honestly, there were a lot of surprises and the extent to which other groups retained and stored the vendor data and supporting documentation was definitely one of those surprises. So you really have two issues here. You have in some cases an unavoidable process where your non-vendor maintenance employees are submitting vendor supporting documentation that can include sensitive vendor data for uh, the vendor setup and maintenance process. And the second issue is they could be storing that data outside of the system of record, the accounting system or ERP. And so what do you do about it? So here are two suggestions. The first one is, you know, look at that vendor self-registration portal. According to a recent survey by a third party AP solutions company, only 25% of medium to large companies have a vendor self-registration portal implemented. These portals will allow the vendors to maintain their own sensitive data And now you don't have to worry about that sensitive data being handled incorrectly outside of the vendor maintenance team. Now, what are the other benefits of a vendor self-registration portal and what does it take to implement? Tune in next week when I will discuss a vendor portal implementation. Now the second recommendation is to train 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 and remember even when you do get your vendor portal project approved it's still going to take time to implement so train those employees or those teams that are collecting that information to submit to vendor maintenance and when I say train I mean the same training that is recommended for the vendor maintenance teams since they are dealing with sensitive vendor data That means train them on authentication techniques to confirm that the data they received actually came from a real vendor. Also share controls and best practices that the vendor maintenance team has implemented such as the two on this podcast masking data and user access reviews, as well as the two from the related blog post, secure print and desk audits, because you want to ensure that once they receive that sensitive data, no one else sees that. And you also want to ensure that if they have a system where they are storing that data that they are restricting access the same way as vendor maintenance is restricting access in the accounting or ERP system. And you know, whether you have a vendor self-registration portal project or not, it's always a good idea to keep in contact with those groups that are upstream or downstream from the vendor maintenance process because you never know what projects they have that you may not find out about until you you reach out to them. So make sure you have that communication open. And then that way you have less surprises when you do have a project that will involve those groups. Thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 14th episode of Putting the APN Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for links to the blog post. Two processes you can implement today to protect sensitive vendor data from non vendor maintenance employees, and for Kit Boyle's book, Fire Doesn't Innovate The Executive's Practical Guide to Thriving in the Face of Evolving Cyber Risks. Reminder that through January 31st, 2019, if you subscribe to my email list for weekly vendor maintenance content and subscriber-only savings, you'll be entered into a drawing to win a Putting the AP in Happy coffee mug. Stay happy!